Welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Bargery. In this episode, I'm talking to the rather lovely Catherine Strachan, who runs an agency called Copy House. And Catherine's had a really interesting couple of years from starting her agency to growing it now to a team of 26 remote employees. And we talk in this show all about how to build a remote team, the importance of culture and leadership and and why you need to look after your team, along with how did she survive the pandemic with a brand new agency and what are the tools and techniques that she's using both to knit her team together to build that culture and to continue to service her clients and grow her agency. It's a really interesting and wide-ranging conversation, and Catherine shows a, shares a ton of value. So I hope that you get something from our conversation. Enjoy the show. Catherine, good morning. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. I say good morning, but you're not where I am in the UK. You're, I think you just said you're in Brazil, so it might not be morning where you are. Oh, it is. Yes. We're about uh, three hours behind you. So it's like 8 a.m. right now. Um, Aha, I believe okay. it's probably about 11. Maybe yeah. 11-ish. 11-ish. So it's not too bad. Not too early a start for you. So uh, thank you for coming on the show. I'm really looking forward to, to exploring what you've been up to with your agency, Copy House. Let me try and introduce you. And then if I go wrong, you can correct me because uh, I'd like to try and frame who you are. Um, and I think if I, if I, yeah, just correct me where I go wrong. So you're Catherine Strachan. You founded Copy House, which is a B2B uh, tech content marketing agency based out of Edinburgh. You've been going for a couple of years and you've grown your team to... 26 people, which is pretty good going by um, anyone's standards. But what's really interesting about you is that you've created this agency that is completely remote. You're all all over the world working on servicing your clients, um, but you're still able to to grow and be very successful doing that. So I think that's it in a nutshell. I'm sure there's loads more that I've missed out, but is that a reasonable summary as to who you are and what you're up to? Yeah, so we were, I'm Catherine Strachan, so you got that part right, um, and I do run a content marketing agency. Um, how I describe us is that we specialize in technology and fintech, um, so we very much own that space um, and, yeah, do everything from biometric technology for airports to, we we work with Facebook, which is obviously social media, um, but from a content writing perspective so not a social media service perspective um and do real broad range when it comes to technology um as well as fintech perfect okay so tell me what's the secret sauce how have you done it from starting up a couple of years ago to growing a team of 26 what's the magic that's enabled you to do that it's a good question because i don't actually know i guess I guess probably the secret sauce is really just going all in. And, you know, even during the pandemic, you know, went all in. So when other companies were freezing or pausing or furloughing, you know, we were going harder. Um, And that really allowed us to set the foundation to take off when the economy reopened. And while I tell this story all the time, but when the pandemic first happened, like many small businesses, we were really negative negatively impacted in fact we lost like half of our clients in the first okay. week it was really terrible I was so stressed out I was so upset I thought that my 
new company. We were only like one at that point. We had four employees, was going to tank and burn, and that was going to be the end of it. But I decided really early on that I definitely didn't want to furlough or make anybody redundant. So we did the opposite. We pulled together um, and, you know, brought in enough work to cover cover the team. I mean, I wasn't paying myself for like the first six months um, of the pandemic. So, you know, brought in enough to cover the team, to cover their wages. Um, And then we got the bounce back loan and invested, took the bounce back loan. And because we didn't need it to like actually survive because we were surviving, even though it was very lean, we took the bounce back loan and used it to invest in the company. So we hired a full-time marketing manager we invested uh, in our business outreach with a company called SoPro, which has been incredible for us, um, and brought on Spencer Gallagher, who many agency owners will know because he runs Cactus, um, he's pretty well known in the agency world, to be our advisor. Um, and so all of those things kind of helped to create momentum and accumulate into set the foundation for Coffeehouse's future success. But it wasn't easy. I mean, there was months where we were spending way more than we were making. And my accountant was freaking out. He, <laughs> like he looked at our numbers and he didn't know what I was doing, but he looked at our numbers and he called me and he goes, do you know that you're spending more money than you're making? I said, Graham, Graham, it's okay. It's okay. I know what I'm doing. Look, I'm investing in this and this and this. He was like, okay, if you're sure. But he was obviously really unsure. He obviously didn't want me to be spending more than we were making. Uh, he was Perfect. quite worried about that. But I said, no, it's going to be fine. And yeah, yeah, it was. So about a year ago in November, when the economy started to reopen up, you know, we had hired during the period, we'd hired the marketing manager, we'd hired another copywriter. So we were building our team and getting ready for the economy to reopen, specializing. It was also during this time that we decided to specialize in technology and fintech. So we had always done a lot in the space. Um, Were you a bit broader before that then? Yeah, 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 we were. We had travel and recruitment and we had all sorts of industries, but a lot of that got wiped out. So the 50% who, you know, left were mostly in those spaces because as anybody will know, travel, recruitment, mm-hmm. those industries were hit very hard. So what I did during those early days as well as part of this was to look at the clients we did have, the work we did very, very well, and where I saw a gap. So, you know, I knew that technology and fintech were probably going to survive the pandemic. You know, these are industries that aren't going anywhere, right? We use technology every day in our lives. Um, And there are areas where we had done work, where we could demonstrate credibility and also where we felt particularly strong. Okay. We really niched down, really hyper-focused on these areas. So your your hand was forced a little bit by the pandemic to, to focus, to niche down a little bit, but as it happens, of course, the areas that you focused on, you know, less affected by the pandemic. You know, as we say, you know, if we go too broad, we can't really appeal to everybody. So having that niche is really important. Um, so that's that's obviously been very successful. For yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like it was a strategic decision. So, yeah, I mean, we could have equally decided to stay broad because the argument is always, you know, you'll have more clients if you stay broad. Um, But actually niching down was a good choice for us because it allowed us to, when we were investing in our marketing and investing in these things, Mm -hmm. we were hyper-focused on who we did, who we were and what, what we did and who we did it for, um, which made our messaging so much more stickier. So, you know, people would remember us when things started to reopen um, and we've won some pretty big deals by virtue of being specialists, but also because of 
our company culture, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a moment. Um, but Definitely. you know, when we won Facebook, what the, what they said to us, um, one of the things that they said to us was that it was our focus on technology as well as, you know, my leadership and our company culture that made them want to work with us, which was quite a nice compliment. Yeah, that's lovely to hear them um, specifically citing your leadership, which is great. But uh, the fact that you've got to focus on the tech space, you know, many a agency has grown by focusing just on tech, haven't they? And it's, you know, it's such a massive sector that invests heavily in marketing and communication. So, you know, what, why not focus there? And I think there's always that temptation when you're running a small shop to try and be that broad church, not to exclude potential clients and that kind of niching argument is had quite regularly amongst agency owners I think uh, so it's great that you you focus quite quickly whether that was the strategy which sounds like it was a very strategic decision or partly forced your hand a bit by the um, the, the fact that travel died off whilst the pandemic was here probably really helped you to make that decision as well so so that's really great so when you hired your marketing person, what was the brief you gave to your marketeer? What was he or she tasked with doing? I'm guessing there's some great copy and content coming. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, we did hire, well, we've had a couple of marketing managers since that first marketing manager, but now we actually have a three-person marketing team. So we have the marketing manager, but we also have a dedicated content marketing um, assistant for Coffee House. So one of the challenges we found historically with marketing managers was that they're very great at strategy, but quite often aren't great writers. Um, it makes sense. It's a lot of the reason why like our clients bring us in because we don't normally work with founders. We normally work with marketing managers or CMOs. You know, we, So they're really great at the strategy, identifying what's needed where, typically aren't great copywriters so we actually like you know would always say you know we have copywriters so one of our copywriters will write an article for coffee house but then client work always came in and you know always. we went a whole year and only wrote like three articles for our own website so what we decided to do early this summer actually was to hire a dedicated content marketing person for coffee house so um, we currently have somebody in that role and all they do is create content for coffee house um, they're not allowed to touch client work you know they only create copy for coffee house uh, which is yeah been a massive game changer I think ring fencing that resource and keeping them separate from client service is so important, isn't it? Because I talked to a lot of agencies and they've hired somebody in a marketing or even a biz dev role and they get dragged into client service naturally because that's the lifeblood of the agency. But ring fencing it, keeping it separate, I think is a really smart move. Yeah, well, I've always been a big believer in hiring specialists. So, you know, our marketing manager only does marketing for coffee house our business developer only does business development for coffee house our account managers don't create content and aren't creatives they are only responsible for the client services um, and they work alongside project managers actually so we have that split of ams and pms and you know they they have to work together but mm. you know they shouldn't be doing each other's work so we've always been we've kept yeah we've We've always avoided spaghetti by yeah hiring specialists rather than generalists always avoided spaghetti okay so that's that's the case what a, a mishmash of things going on you know a real confused landscape is that what you mean there 
Yeah, it's a term that um, Spencer Gallagher uses actually in his book Agency Nomics talks about spaghetti um, and what happens when you hire generalists is it ends up a bit of a mess. So, you know, like a plate of spaghetti, you know, people are working on all sorts of different things and it's not really clear who does what. And, you know, it's like a plate of spaghetti because everything's all tangled. Um, but as you grow, that happens very early normally in agency life. But as you grow, you have to untangle it because spaghetti is not a sound structure for building anything on. Uh, so you have to untangle that and you have to get it back to, you know, being very clear who does what. So yeah, Spencer, it's a Spencer word, but Spencer calls it spaghetti. <laughs> and that reminds me actually, when we first spoke uh, about a month or so ago, one of the things I left that conversation thinking was that you had a very clear plan from the outset, what you were trying to achieve with your agency. You hadn't done this by accident, which, which kind of happens a lot with agencies. You know, someone starts out offering media relations and before you know it, you've got a PR agency, but you had a very specific plan. I think once you set your goal here was, I want to grow an agency to a point where I can uh, exit in five years or 10 years or whatever that end point is. Am I right there? Because if that's the case, it feels like it's everything you decision you make is very deliberate towards helping you achieve that goal. Is that fair? Yes. And now I have a very clear vision. I think when I started Poppy House, it was perhaps less clear and it often is. So, you know, I, my vision has become stronger as our team has grown and as I've gotten out of the day-to-day stuff more and more and more. So when we first started and I was a one person band and I was doing everything, you know, I didn't really have a long term plan. I don't think I probably had a long term plan until after we started working with Spencer Gallagher um, as yeah, he, he became a non-exec for Coffee House about right. a year ago in September. Um, so one of the things he's given me is visibility and long term planning and like the ability to predict things that are coming down the pike um and to see and to see things um that's that visibility that clarity that vision has really come on in the last year so i think now when i talk i definitely sound like i have a very clear vision because i do but it hasn't always been like that okay uh, that's interesting because when, when i ran my agency i had somebody in my team uh, they left the agency and in the exit interview i asked why are you leaving and one of the main things was that he couldn't understand where I was trying to take the business. He didn't understand what my vision was. And I took that away as quite a big learning, actually, is, you know, the importance of leadership to be able to clarify to those that you're leading where you're trying to lead them to. In other words, your vision. And um, I certainly was very impressed with the way you described that. Uh, and I think that's really, you know, one of the foundations of how you're growing so quickly is because people know where you're trying to get to. Yeah. And I remind them of it all the time. So every quarter we do a company performance and, you know, I set up our mission and remind them again and, you know, tell them all the progress that we've made and, you know, where we're going to. I mean, the immediate short-term goal is when we, after we break through, you know, the million turnover in a year, uh, which should be about February, March, which is pretty good for only two years in, um, we're going to take the trip to the team on a company trip to Europe. So one of the things that I always show them is like the graph of, okay, this is where we are now and this is where Europe is. So let's get to Europe. Um, (laughs) Okay. And that, that, that helps because it's like, it's my vision and like to exit comp house is my vision, but what the team needs is actually a vision for what's in it for them. So, I mean, that's great for Catherine Strachan to sell coffee house and, um, you know, eventually exit, but 
that's not what's in it for them. They don't, I mean, they probably don't want that to happen actually, because I would like to think that they like me enough. that They want me to stay around forever. Um, but it needs to be about what's in it for them. So, you know, yeah. when we do these company performances, you know, we're talking about how much salaries have increased in say the last year, not just how much profits have. And, you know, we're showing them all the opportunities that we've given them and we're constantly increasing our benefit package and we're constantly like creating a vision for them. So actually the vision for coffee house and not Catherine Strachan um, is to create the highest quality content possible for technology and FinTech brands. Um, mm. And I think that's a pretty good, it's a pretty good mission. Yeah, that is pretty good. I wanted to just quickly ask you before we move on, cause I, I want to talk about culture and building teams, but you've hired a marketing person, you've hired a biz dev person. And typically when I talk to agency owners, one of the things they struggle with is at what's the right time to hire someone to do these, or should I outsource this to a biz development agency? How did, what was that process like for you? When did you say, okay, we need to bring this in house. We need to hire for these skills. Well, we've always done things a bit earlier. So we've always been ahead of the curve when it comes to hiring these roles. So I know that you know, most marketing managers don't come in until like maybe the 1 million mark, but we did that like way earlier than we, than that. Um, you know, we did that in year two when we were barely making anything at all, uh, let alone a profit. But we've, I've always believed in investing in Copy House and investing in our team. So my answer is a bit different because I, I believe you should do it as soon as you possibly can. So, you know, as soon as you can possibly cover the salary for a marketing manager, you should bring them in. You should bring them in before you start to outsource. Because, mm. I mean, we actually don't work with brands that don't have a marketing manager because founders don't really have time to commit to marketing. Founders are so busy trying to fight like immediate fires, fires that are taking place today or tomorrow that they don't have time to commit at all, even if it's just signing off on a strategy or an outline or something very basic like that to their marketing. So when we've tried to work as, with founders as an agency, it never, never works because a founder mm -hmm. doesn't prioritize it because there's more immediate fires. So what you really need is you need a marketing manager. That marketing manager oversees the whole strategy. They see the bigger picture. They know where you're going. And then you can pull in the specialists. So, you know, we only specialize in content marketing. So we can't advise somebody on paid advertising or PR or, or mm -hmm. social or any of these things. We can only advise them on content marketing and what we do. So if you, it, when they've tried to bring us in and they don't have a marketing manager, you know, we can't see the bigger picture. We just see content marketing. Um, so, I mean, I, I believe that, you know, the, you need a marketing manager in place first. And then once you have that marketing manager in place, you can start to bring in specialists, you can bring in external agencies and you can pull all the people, all the talent that you need together, because it's also super unfair to expect that your marketing manager will be able to do everything because they won't. Yeah. It's impossible. Marketing, it's extensive. One person cannot do all of marketing. It's just, it's not possible. I don't know anybody who can. They might be able no. to set the wider strategy, but actually <laughs> execute and deliver totally different. I agree with that. Yeah. And I, I see so many um, uh, job adverts for marketeers where you think, wow, how are you expecting one person to do all of this stuff in this job description? It's just not possible, not feasible. You know, it's such a big landscape we're playing in. Well, it's about playing the people's strengths too. So like our marketing manager at the moment, really strong at events, really strong at partnerships and, you know, great with the overall strategy, but, you know, writing content is not necessarily her forte. 
okay, great. That's not a problem. We're going to bring somebody in to cover that. And what Mm. you should do as a good leader is remove obstacles from your team's way. So, you know, what the marketing manager needs to do is to oversee the strategy. If there's something that's massively taking up her time, then we need to hire somebody else so that they can take that over so that she can continue to focus where her focus needs to be. Um, And, you know, as a good leader, you should be able to see these obstacles in your team's way. And then you need to get rid of them. You need to get rid of the obstacles. You need to remove them so that people can actually flourish and grow and thrive. Yeah, that's such a good way to look at leadership, actually getting those obstacles out of the way to let your team flourish. So so let's move on a little bit and talk about team, because one of the things that you've done that's very different to other agencies is your whole team is remote. You're spread out across Europe. You're currently in Brazil. So tell me how you have managed to create a team culture in that remote environment that everyone has kind of bought into and supports your vision what does that how has that happened how have you manufactured that culture I mean it's a really good question Uh, and I think it actually goes back to my whole entire life I've always had a really big heart so like up until about 18 I wanted to be a veterinarian because I wanted to help animals even though I am awful at math and science like incredibly bad (laughs) at those things so obviously That was not a good career choice, but why I wanted to do it was because I've always been super nurturing and loving and wanting to, you know, support and help animals as well as people. And it's a skill that I bring to my leadership. So, you know, I really care 110% about my team um, and have their back, you know, 100%, which when you really care about people, they give it back to you. So when you really care about somebody, when you really care about their careers, when you care about creating opportunities for them when you are supportive, you know, it makes them feel like they can come to you with anything, but it also makes them feel committed and driven and, you know, ready to go. And I think, you know, I have my group of senior leaders uh, in in coffee house, but it's something that I've kind of taught them that they've then passed on to, you know, people who they support and it's created a really good culture where, We all really, despite, you know, being 26 and, you know, getting bigger and bigger, we all really care about each other and we all really care about helping out. One of the things that new starts always say to me is everybody's so nice. Like, well, (laughs) yeah, yes. Aren't they supposed to be? But I mean, like almost every new start comments on how nice it is to work at coffee house because we don't tolerate anything bad. I mean, I would rather get rid of a client than keep a bad client who is mean to my team or treats them badly. And Mm -hmm. we have gotten rid of clients who, you know, are perhaps a little bit sexist or won't listen or just, you know, not nice to work with. We don't want to, we don't need to, and we don't. So, I mean, it was new. We just got two new account managers. It's quite a new experience for them because they come from organizations where, it's about keeping the client happy. doesn't matter all costs, you know, even if it costs hurts the organization, me. hurts the team, you know, keep the client happy. That that's uh, so when I was saying to them, actually it's about protecting the team, you know, we need to protect our time. We need to protect our mental well-being. We need to protect the team. That's where our priorities lie. Um, which, you know, not that we don't care about our clients, but at the end of the day, you know, I care more about protecting my team and keeping them safe and happy and, you know, to do the best work than trying to please a difficult or unpleasant client. So we just get rid of the ones who 
are like that. Thankfully, you know, we don't have to do that very often. Most people are very nice to work with. And, you know, we really love all of our clients, but also that caringness that we have as a company, we care a lot about our clients. We care a lot about the work Mm -hmm. we produce. We care a lot in general, Um, you know, whether it's about each other or our work or our clients, you know, we really deeply care about them. So, you know, it radiates outward as well as inward, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and I really like the sound of that because I think anybody who's worked in agency will have come across clients uh, and colleagues that are horrendous and treat them very poorly. It's just a fact of agency life. I think I've had very many difficult clients and not being able to, or had the courage to fire those clients in the past was, was definitely something that I think I could have done better. So it's interesting to hear that your perspective is I care about the team as my number one priority. And, and obviously that then flows out to the way in which you look after your clients as well. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, they become part of our team. So, I mean, our clients we've had for a long time, you know, we become really close to them. So they become part of our team. Mm. So, you know, you want to be part of that. Uh, and if you don't behave, you're not going to be part of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because, you know, in agency life as well, often culture comes back down to, well, free coffee, you know, drinks trolley on a Friday, ping pong table, that sort of stuff that doesn't really, it's just kind of paying lip service to culture, isn't it? But you've taken it at a much deeper level. And of course, because the nature of your agency is you're all over the over the world, it's impossible to do that anyway. So you found a different way, which I, which actually I think is really great. And agencies that are in the same environment should probably learn from that as well. You have to be a... Um, a disparate agency to care more deeply yeah well and if it all comes from there as well like you do roll out benefits so I mean we're rolling out um, health insurance from the new year I mean so you do roll out benefits but benefits aren't superficial like the ping pong table you know they're things that are actually going to make a difference to somebody's life and you know actually help them but I mean company culture should be much deeper than I think if you can't have a good company culture without an office, you're in trouble because it shouldn't be based on a physical location because what happens when that physical location is taken away? So Mm. like COVID, you know, we all had to work from home. I mean, it's not unreasonable to think that we, that that might happen again in the future where we can't go into an office. So if you don't have a company culture without physically having an office, I think you're in trouble. How do you future-proof that? You can't. I completely agree. And I think COVID has forced us all to shift to that more uh, flexible working arrangement, hasn't it? And I think, at least in the agency world, that's that's suited a lot of people. And probably in most of the professional world, actually, you know, being able to be more flexible, work remotely has, has helped enormously. Uh, but obviously, you're taking it to that next level because that's how you are always, and you're not all in the same country even most of the time, which is uh, probably adds another degree of challenge in there. So, tell me how, with that kind of structure, how do you manage performance? How do you how do you hire? What does that look like in terms of making sure that when you get a brief in, you can deliver on it? Well, so we. We don't outsource any of our work. It's all done in-house by coffeehouse trained copywriters. Um, So all of our team members are 100% full-time permanent team members. One of the reasons why we hire remotely is because we are very specialist. Um, We need copywriters who can write on technology and fintech. 
And I'm normally based in Edinburgh. So if Edinburgh is pretty small, so my recruitment pool would be very small if I needed everybody to be in Edinburgh. Wouldn't have the people I need and they definitely wouldn't be the same caliber as if you have a much wider recruitment pool. Recruitment is really about numbers. You need the numbers of people to be able to sift through them to find the right people for your organization. And what I really care about at the end of the day is finding the most talented, the best people I can possibly find and bringing them to Coffee House to bring them on the journey with me. So, you know, I don't really care where they're based. Um, it's much easier for them to be based in UK or Europe because of taxes and laws and everything like mm-hmm. that. But I don't really care where they're based because what I care about is the cultural fit, their talent um, and their, their passion for what they do. So, I mean, we've been able to recruit people from all over the UK. I mean, we have somebody from like Western Scotland. We have people, we have two account managers in Spain, our business developers in Malta, London, Bristol, Glasgow, you name it. And that's really been a massive strength for us. And, you know, not having an office has also meant that we have more money to invest in the company, which means that we deliver a higher value service than if we were spending like five grand a month on an office in London. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's been a hundred percent strength. It's also allowed us to recruit people who maybe don't normally fit in the nine to five black and white mold. So, you know, the people who have multiple kids or, you know, we even have a couple of staff members who have serious illnesses who weren't normally able to go into an office all the time, but with the flexible working, because we don't even have hard stops or finishes. We just have work we need to get done and it needs Mm -hmm. to get done to a high standard. But if you do it at 2 a.m. or 5 p.m. or whenever you do it, it doesn't really matter. Some roles are less less confined because or are a bit more confined because they're tied to client calls and clients Mm -hmm. tend to be nine to five. But generally speaking, you know, this, the team are able to make their schedule. So, I mean, I don't really start my day till like 10, uh, 11 sometimes. So, you know, I just say, oh, well, I can't do any meetings before then. Um, and, you know, the world doesn't end. Nothing ends. You know, it continues. <laughs> and I think this idea of nine to five, you have to be online at 9 a.m. or, you know, everything's going to fall fall apart. Well, you're probably in a lot of trouble if you if that's actually true, that like <laughs> everything's going to fall apart because somebody's five minutes late. Does anyone still work that way? I think some people do. I once met somebody who told me that they use Slack to make sure that their team's online at 9 a.m. Like they look at the green button dot to see if people are online at 9 a.m. Oh, really? So th- okay. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah I think people do yeah but when you measure output rather than FaceTime so when you measure output and perform what you're looking at is the performance of them you're looking at what they achieved and how quickly they achieved it I mean I remember being very early in my career in an agency and I'm always been a really fast worker so I finished everything by like four o'clock finished absolutely everything like there was literally nothing to do but they made me sit at my desk for an hour. Doing what? <laughs> Playing solitaire. Yeah. And as a junior too, I kept asking like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Never want anybody to feel that way. If you finish something quicker or your day ends early, good for you. Go out, enjoy the sunshine, go spend time yeah. with your family. Like you don't need to sit at your desk looking at your computer just for the sake of it. So that balance is really important in your environment then between work life and personal life. Yeah, 100%. How can it not be? You can't mm. expect people to work all the time and not have a lot of time to work. Yeah, okay. So, it, you know, t- 
talking about culture it's a very caring nurturing people-centric organization that you're building and that's probably why i imagine people love working for copy house i don't know whether you measure that monitor that but i imagine that if you were to do some kind of staff satisfaction survey you'd probably get a pretty good response yeah 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 we do we do um we have a head of people so uh, this is an area that i like she does all the measuring metrics and everything um because we use a tool called trickle which is really good it's like office five but but not trickle. um trickle. so yes we do yeah yeah they're one of Never our clients actually um okay yeah, they're, they're really super great uh, because they allow the team to engage a bit more than on Office 5 and they allow the team to submit feedback um, and kind of it's a bit more engaging uh, than Office 5. So we really like that tool. I was going to ask you, um, you know, are there any kind of tools and technologies that are really critical for you to k- kind of gel your team together, whether it's building culture or helping them to execute deliver on projects and you've mentioned trickle there and office five you used to use you mentioned slack what else is there that you use that really helps you to to kind of gel your team together yeah um access is a really cool tool so access um is basically a platform for online workshops so there it's really great because every team member uses their like mobile device to engage with the workshop so it means that you get to hear the opinions of the people who are normally really quiet. You get everybody involved. You collect all the feedback, and then you can go back and you know iterate on it and you know respond to it directly. It's like having a group workshop in person, but online. It works really super well. We do a content forum, so every quarter we do a content forum where we bring the account team with the creative team to talk about you know things and how we can do things better, and we. We first did it just normal Zoom and it was a bit of a mess because people like were raising their hands and everybody was really good. But, you know, there was definitely people who didn't say stuff. And, you know, there was definitely people who said a lot of stuff and it was all like a little bit of a mess. And I had to moderate and call on people and they had to raise their hands and it was a bit of a mess. And then the next time we did it with access and access, like everybody was more or less quiet, but we got everybody's feedback. So they weren't quiet, like, you know, not speaking, but they were, you. you know, fully engaged, but everybody was equally fully engaged rather than the disequal unbalanced that you quite often get in online workshops. Um, so I definitely recommend them for anybody who's looking for online workshops. Yeah, really good. So I have to have a look at those. That sounds really good. Okay. So looking back at the last two years, then obviously you've achieved a lot in a short space of time so you must be pretty satisfied but are there any things that you would do differently if you were to make some changes or have you got it all have you got it all nailed down no I mean we don't get everything perfect I think quite often well when you're growing this quickly you get growing pains and you know looking back it's easy to say oh like when that started that was actually a sign of this growing pain that later became a bigger problem and we should have done something about it then it's quite easy to look back on things like that but we always made the right decision at the time with the information that we had on hand but you know you know say about hindsight hindsight is you know not not the nicest because yeah you you of course obviously can look back and say well we we could have done that a little bit differently or we could have done that earlier it's more often than not it's you know wish we'd done that like 
four months earlier, you know, things like that, um, rather than massive mistakes that like, you know, wish we didn't do it all. Most Mm. of the time, I just wish that we had done things a little bit earlier so that we could have had them in place and not had the growing pains. But if you didn't have the growing pains, you wouldn't know that you needed to do the new thing. So, I mean, we've kind of taken every challenge as it's, as it's come and, you know, made the best decisions with the information that we had at the time. And yeah, of course, sometimes we look back and say, we wish we had done that a little bit differently or a little bit earlier, any of these things, but generally overall, I mean, we've done more things right than we've done wrong. Obviously. (laughs) We're here, right? (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise you wouldn't be where you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the game, right? You're going to get some stuff wrong, but of course. you just have to get more right than you get wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and you've mentioned Spencer Gallagher a couple of times, he's obviously helping you to spot some of those things that uh, might be those roadblocks, speed bumps along the way in helping you to avoid those. And I think lots of agencies would benefit from finding someone like Spencer to help them. You know, someone that's already uh, walked a mile in their shoes and can help you help them to predict foresee some of those growing pains you're talking about okay yeah 100 percent. i mean he's not always right but i would say like 95 percent of the time he is right um and you know when we've he's able to see things before we do because that small niggle that like we don't recognize yet as a growing pain because he's been there he can go oh mm-hmm. well this this is indicative of that and you know this is going to happen in probably a couple months so you're probably going to want to be thinking about this now um so he saved us a lot of like from having to experience growing pains and then Mm. you know and then making decisions on them i mean having somebody who's been there before is definitely 100 percent helpful but also the fact that he works with other agencies so he sees it you know not just from his own experiences but from working with agencies you know completely because agencies, we like to think that we're different. We like to think that we're very different. We're all very unique, but actually yeah. we're all very similar. Totally right. Absolutely. It's the, the business model is not a new one and lots of people are treading this path. I think that, I don't know where this stat comes from, but there's something like 20,000 agencies or companies that call themselves an agency or a consultancy in some shape or form just in the UK. So it's a big field and there's lots of people experiencing the same challenges and growing pains that you are having and other agencies are having as well so um, lots to learn from working with each other whether it's a non-exec like Spencer or just being in a, a peer group with other agency owners to say oh you know I've got this how did you handle that it, I think is really valuable one of the things you've also talked about is that you try to meet 50 new people every month as a way to start conversations and that's obviously how we met and I was really struck at the end of that when we finished our call. I think for you, for me, the main thing I got away from that was you you wanted to try and help me somehow. Like, what can I do to help you move forward? And I thought that was quite a nice way to end the call. So, so t- tell me how you, why you've got that target of 50 and what that's meant for you as a business or you personally. Yeah. I mean, so actually it's an idea that comes from a Spencer Gallagher as well. So Spencer encourages all of his clients to meet 50 new people a month to build your network. And one of the, I've been doing it for about a year now. And one of the things that I've really realized is 
how important your network is for opening doors and creating opportunities. So obviously not every conversation is going to turn into a lead, but you know, some of our biggest clients have come because of networking. Some of my, my like, you know, best speaking events like this podcast has come uh, <laughs> through networking and, you know, it's just, it's incredible the opportunities that come when you put yourself out there, but I don't, like to you know just take I also like to help so it's about building reciprocity so I always try to introduce people or to help them in some other way so once you get the momentum going as well it's quite easy to introduce somebody because you know somebody who does you know mm-hmm. you know somebody who they'd really like to get along with so I mean it, I don't often get to hear about what happens after these introductions but I quite like to think that you know maybe I've made a difference in somebody's life yeah I'm sure that you have and and uh uh, there's a call out there for anyone you've, who's been introduced to, to someone else by Catherine. Let her know how you got on, what happened. <laughs> I'd love I'm to sure. hear it. Yeah. 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 That'd be super. Catherine, it's been really lovely chatting to you. Thank you for unpacking a bit of what's been going on at Copy House and how you've grown and created this really successful agency in such a short space of time. If someone wants to reach out, say hello, get in touch, find out some more, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Catherine E. Strachan. You can visit our website, coffeehouse.io, um, or you can send me an email at Catherine at coffeehouse.io. I do a lot of networking, so more than happy to have an introductory call and, yeah, chat, chat shop. Awesome. Catherine, thanks so much again. I've really, really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great to be here. <laughs>